welcome to the preaching ministry of the Agape Baptist Church in George, South Africa. This morning I'd like for us to look at a passage uh, from 2 Corinthians chapter 4. And I trust that uh, you'll be encouraged from this passage this morning as we think about our own ministry for the Lord, living our lives to please Him. And uh, where do we find the encouragement for that? And Paul speaks uh, concerning his own testimony, his own life in this letter. As we look this morning to 2 Corinthians chapter 4, we're going to be focusing on verse 13 to verse 18. Let's just read together and uh, for the context, let's begin in verse 7. It's 2 Corinthians chapter 4 and verse 7. But we have this treasure in jars of clay to show that the surpassing power belongs to God and not to us. We are afflicted in every way, but not crushed, perplexed, but not driven to despair, persecuted, but not forsaken, struck down, but not destroyed, always carrying in the body the death of Jesus, so that the life of Jesus may also be manifested in our bodies. For we who live are always being given over to death for Jesus' sake, so that the life of Jesus may also be manifested in our mortal flesh. So death is at work in us, but life in you. Since we have this same spirit of faith according to what has been written, I believed and so I spoke, we also believe, and so we also speak, knowing that he who raised the Lord Jesus will raise us also with Jesus and bring us with you into his presence. For it is all for your sake, so that as grace extends to more and more people, it may increase the thanksgiving to the glory of God. So we do not lose heart. Though our outward self is wasting away, our inner self is being renewed day by day. For this light momentary affliction is preparing for us an eternal weight of glory beyond all comparison. As we look not to the things that are seen, but to the things that are unseen. For the things that are seen are transient, but the things that are unseen are eternal. This morning we want to um, answer the question, or look at Paul's answer to the question, about how he endured in ministry in spite of the, the difficulties, the, the weaknesses, and the dying he referred to, and all the, uh, the difficulties that he faced in ministry physically. What, uh, what helped him to remain faithful? And it's the same kind of thing that would help us be faithful in our own Christian life, in our own ministry for the Lord. And so we want to look at that this morning. But let me help you uh, as we try to remember the context of what's, uh, what's been happening. Paul has talked about the paradoxes of gospel ministry. And uh, beginning in chapter 3 and verse 7, he presented the, um, the glorious nature and the powerful nature of this new covenant uh, gospel, the Lord Jesus Christ, empowered by the Spirit of God, and how, how it was such a ministry that Paul had a great um, 
great boldness of speech and confidence in uh, in this new ministry because it was God who, by His power, transformed lives through this uh, gospel. And we saw the end of uh, chapter this section really coming down to the end of uh, verse verse six, chapter four and verse six, where He. He says, for God who said, let light shine out of darkness has shone in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. And so it's this um, transforming power of the gospel that has come to us. And we've received this uh, glorious uh, truth, this treasure of the knowledge of the glory of God in Christ. But then from verse 7, he contrasts that with the weakness of the vessel, of speaking of himself and all of us as believers who are uh, serving the Lord. Who have, we have received this great treasure in a very weak vessel. And he, and he told us there in verse 7 that uh, the reason uh, for that was so that the power and the transformation that uh, takes place through the gospel would be seen as coming from God and not from us. And he says, but we have this treasure in jars of clay to show that the surpassing power belongs to God and not to us. And so he presents this paradox of, of power in weakness. Also, we saw last time from verse 10 to 12, the paradox of life in death or life in dying, as he put it, these uh, struggles in the body, the persecutions and all the, the weaknesses in the body and the things that he experienced, he's referred to as dying. And even in that experience, Paul says, there is life. There's life in his own life by the power of God, the transforming work of God. And there's also life being produced in the Corinthians as they receive the gospel that he was proclaiming. Notice verse 6, he says, So death is at work in us, but life in you. And so such is the nature of gospel ministry. It is a paradox because it is most often in our weakness that the power of God is displayed. And so we can see these paradoxes. We can agree with Paul that there is power in weakness and there is life in suffering and dying. But how did Paul remain faithful through all of these hardships that he faced? How did he endure uh, the difficulties that he, that he experienced? Certainly God was helping him. God was uh, giving him grace and strength to endure. But Paul still had to exercise his own will uh, and discipline to be faithful, didn't he? Just as we do. Uh, we, we know the struggle in our own lives. At times we feel discouraged. At times we feel weak and tired in body and mind and spirit. We feel dejected at times and, and, and just wanting to give up and feeling like um, we're, we're not accomplishing much and, and all of those uh, thoughts that are, that are natural to our human condition. And so how... Did Paul endure difficulties that's much greater than, than what we experience in ministry? How did he endure? How did he remain faithful? And so in this passage this morning, we want to see what Paul presents as what I've entitled and what he 
called in verse 13 uh, the spirit of faith, the spirit of faith. Uh, notice verse 13. He says, since we have the same spirit of faith according to what has been written, I believed and so I spoke. We also believe and so we also speak. Diselfte gies van geloof is what Paul is talking about here. And he's referring back to the psalmist in Psalm 116, and he quotes from verse 10. And he's using a word here that has, I think, thrown many people off in the wrong direction. He says, the spirit of faith, the same, notice the same as the psalmist. Uh, now, when, when spirit, uh, the word pneuma is, is uh, translated, uh, the translators have to make a decision about what that word is referring to. Because as we saw in our Bible study, those of you that are involved in the Wednesday night Bible studies, we've been talking about the Holy Spirit. And we saw that this word pneuma can be translated as wind, breath, uh, spirit with a small s, in other words, referring to our spirit, or with a big, you know, a capital letter S, referring to the Holy Spirit. And most of the times, and as the, this Greek word is translated, it is referring to the Holy Spirit. Uh, by, by far, the majority of times, it refers to uh, the Holy Spirit. But the problem comes in that many times the assumption is made when when the word spirit is used, it's talking about the Holy Spirit. And so you do get difference of opinion sometimes as to what is being referred to. And so with the, the, the factor that with this word and with really all of Scripture that helps us to know is the context, is looking at the context of what is, is being written about, understanding the flow of the thought that the writer is presenting, comparing it with other places where he's wrote on the same topic. All of those kinds of study helps helps to determine what's being referred to. And in this uh, in this case, spirit of faith. Most comment commentators, and as you'll notice, most of the uh, translators have given that a small s, uh, uh, small s, meaning that it's not referring to the Holy Spirit. Although in the Afrikaans, I've seen they followed. Uh, the thought that it is referring to the Holy Spirit, as if the as if the Holy Spirit is giving faith to not only to um, the psalmist but also to Paul, and that's a that is a possibility. But I, I don't believe that's what Paul is talking about. I don't think he's talking about the Holy Spirit here. He's using the word spirit to refer to an attitude. Um, and that is a few times the case when the word pneuma is used. I'll give you an example in Galatians 6 and verse 1, and there it's pretty obvious. He says, brothers, Galatians 6, 1, brothers, if anyone is caught in a transgression, you who are spiritual should restore him in a spirit of gentleness. It's the same word used there. And so in that, in that context, in that um, argument that's being made about um, helping one another, restoring one another, it seems obvious that a spirit of gentleness is an attitude. It's the way we think, not, with, not coming with pride and arrogance, but coming in a humble attitude, a spirit of gentleness. And so that is how Paul is using the, the, 
the word here in verse 13, a spirit of faith. In other words, it is an attitude that Paul had the same as the psalmist had about God. He believed God. The psalmist believed God, even though the psalmist in, in chapter 116 is talking about a context of suffering. And, and the psalmist in that, in that chapter uh, 116 had trusted God and God had delivered him. In the last part of the psalm, he's talking about his devotion to God and he's in his praise to God for his deliverance. And so Paul is saying the psalmist had this spirit of faith. He believed and so he spoke. And I also believe and I also speak. And so he's, he's talking about his attitude of faith in what the Lord has said. And he believed God even in the midst of all of these uh, struggles and difficulties that he went through and all of the opposition that he faced in different places. He believed God and he spoke. He spoke about that truth, the truths, uh, everywhere he went, even though it many times got him in trouble. And the, the reason he was in trouble was because he was speaking about what the Lord Jesus Christ had done and is doing, and yet Paul continued to talk about these things, even though they uh, many times caused him greater difficulty. And so Paul is talking about having an attitude of faith and belief in God as he talks about a spirit of faith. Uh, but what specifically did Paul believe? And he will tell us here in the next few verses what it was specifically. I mean, Paul believed many th things but specifically, as it relates to this attitude of faith or spirit of faith, he's going to mention uh, two things in particular here in the next uh, couple of verses. Notice in verse 14, he says, knowing, notice how he, how he begins there. He says uh, he believed knowing. He, he didn't say hoping that maybe uh, or somebody told me this and, you know, maybe it, it's true. Now he says, knowing that he who raised the Lord Jesus will raise us also with Jesus and bring us with you into his presence. And so Paul had a confidence about the resurrection, didn't he? He was confident, uh, sure. He said, I know it to be true. He's, he had a confidence in the resurrection God had power to not only raise him up, but also to raise all believers. Uh, he's, he said not only uh, referring to himself, but he says, will raise us also with Jesus. So just as the Lord Jesus Christ was resurrected, we too will be resurrected and be united together again. You know, death brings separation. But for the believer, that's a, a temporary, it's a temporary separation. Because at the resurrection, we will be reunited together again with each other. And then also with the Lord Jesus Christ, which is even, which is even a greater uh, reality. Remember uh, 1 Corinthians 15, verse 22 and verse 23 says, For as in Adam all die, so also in Christ shall all be made alive. But each in his own order, Christ the firstfruits. Then at his coming, those who belong to Christ. So for Paul, this wasn't just a theoretical truth. It was something that was for him a reality that motivated him, that encouraged him, that gave him uh, the, the, 
the ability to, to endure as he uh, believed God. This spirit of, of um, faith helped Paul to persevere through the hardships and all the problems that he faced. He knew that death was not the end. And so he did not fear, uh, fear death in, in the sense that it would keep him from obeying the Lord. He persevered. Not only that, uh, in verse 15, he says that he was confident in the saving grace of God. Notice how he, he words this. He says, for it is all for your sake, so that as grace extends to more and more people, it may increase thanksgiving to the glory of God. Paul knew that his suffering would result in the grace of God being extended to more and more people, um, in which in turn would result in more and more thanksgiving to God from those people who were saved. See, Paul believed in the a principle of multiplication. He believed that as the Corinthians, those that put their faith and trust in Christ, uh, he, he believed that they, having received the truth of Christ, would give it to other people. And that this grace of God that, that, that leads to salvation would extend to more and more people through his efforts uh, among the Corinthians. And in later in this 2 Corinthians letter in verse 12, or chapter 12, verse 15, he says, I will most gladly spend and be spent for your souls. And so Paul, Paul, like here in verse 15, he says, it's for you. It's for you that I'm um, toiling and laboring and, and, and struggling. It's for you. But as you see, Paul didn't think it was just for them. It was for others that would hear also through them and ultimately for the praise and glory of God that Paul labored. And so these are, um, these are precious truths that Paul is talking about here. These, these two um, motivating factors as he thinks about the spirit of faith, one, the resurrection and the confidence in that and being reunited again together, and then the power of the gospel to bring salvation and the expanse, the, uh, the expanding of the gospel as it goes out from one believer to another and uh, to another person that's unsaved. And so this multiplication of the gospel was God's design. And Paul, the reality of that gave Paul courage, that he wasn't, he wasn't just laboring for them, but for people that he would never meet, for others that would hear because of those that had come to faith. Well, we come down to verse 16. Paul, uh, in a sense, brings this line of, uh, of, of thought to a conclusion. Yet, but he's, as he often writes, he, he just expands into another thought. And so it's kind of, hard to, kind of hard to see where Paul actually stops with his thought. His one thought leads to another thought. And he, and he, and he builds upon that as well. But in verse 16, he comes back to uh, this statement, uh, so we do not lose heart. And that's how he began in chapter 4, you remember. You go back to verse 1, he says, Therefore, having this ministry by the mercies of God, we do not lose heart. And so he has this thought in mind, he's come circled back around to, of, of enduring, of remaining faithful. And, and so he's come back to this thought again that he remains 
faithful in spite of all the, the circumstances that he's, that he's faced that would cause, normally cause people to lose heart and give up and quit. He says, I, I don't lose heart, verse 16, though our outer self is wasting away, our inner self is being renewed day by day. For the light momentary affliction is preparing for us an eternal weight of glory beyond all comparison. And so what Paul will do in his concluding thoughts here is to, to establish a series of comparisons uh, to talk about another uh, two main motivating factors. One was a renewal, an inner renewal, and secondly, a future glory. Uh, and, and so it's related again to the thought of the resurrection. But here he's putting his focus upon, on, on the glory of that uh, future time when we will be with the Lord. And he's, he establishes those thoughts in two main contrasts. First of all, in verse 16, the contrast between decay and renewal. Uh, he says that our bodies... And he refers to the body by talking about a, um, you know, it's in verse 16, he says, our outer self, uh, it's, it's literally the, the, the outer man. Uh, and he's just simply referring to the body, to that which is external as, as compared to that which is internal in, in our, our souls. And so the outer man or the outer, outer person that he's re referring to here, he says, is wasting away. It's decaying. It's, uh, and it's something that we're all aware of, isn't it? <laughs> it's related to the, the reality that our bodies are, as we age, we, we just naturally begin to experience more and more uh, weakness in the body and disease and sickness and ailments and problems. The, the body is decaying. It's it's, it's in a, a state of, um, uh, of becoming weaker and weaker. Yet, Paul is not really talking about the natural process of uh, the body's aging process. He has specifically in mind the toll and the impact that uh, his uh, hardships had upon his body. And in chapter later, in chapter six, and also again in chapter eleven, he'll list some of those um, experiences: the beatings, the imprisonments, the the exposure to the elements, all of the things that, in his travels and the opposition that he faced as he preached the gospel, uh, all of those had a, had an impact upon his body and had contributed to the weakening state of his body. And so Paul is is referring then to his the outer self, the body, that is decaying. And he sets that over against the, the spirit, the inner man, in verse 16, is being renewed day by day. And that, that encouraged him. That was a source of encouragement to realize that God was accomplishing this work. It really goes back to what he had said at the end of chapter 3, uh, verse 18. And we all with unveiled face beholding the glory of the Lord are being transformed into the same image from one degree of glory to another. For this comes from the Lord who is the Spirit. This is the, the work of, uh, of the transformation 
that God is doing in our lives as we, as we submit ourselves to him, as we yield to him, as we follow him, as we, as we open his word, as we seek him. He is busy by his spirit to transform us, to renew us. Just as the body is, is, is getting old and, and weaker, the inner man, the part that's been redeemed, uh, our, uh, our soul is becoming uh, stronger. It should be. As we, as we yield to him, it will. It's, it's like what uh, Colossians 3 in verse 10 says, and have put on the new self, which is being renewed in knowledge after the image of its creator. So another way of saying what he said in, in verse 18 in chapter 3 is this um, sanctification process uh, that uh, God is at work in us. And so for Paul, this was uh, something that... Uh, they encouraged him, this, this reality of this truth. Secondly, he contrasts his affliction and glory. He sets these over, over against each other in, in verse 17. For this light momentary affliction is preparing for us eternal weight of glory beyond all comparison. comparison. Now, Paul is not just saying that, you know, there's suffering now and glory later. He's, he's saying more than that. He's saying his current afflictions adds to the future glory. Uh, he, he says preparing for us. In other words, the, the experiences that he was facing now, the hardships that he was facing now, were, were contributing to more glory uh, in that future day. And that's hard for us to, to, um, to imagine, more glorious, but uh, that's, that's what he's saying. It's because he's uh, suffered here in service to God, it is, is compounding uh, the glory of that future time. And notice how he contrasts uh, these. He, he sets uh, light, something that's light and heavy, over against each other. Uh, and he says that his sufferings are light. Now, we would never consider the experiences that Paul had, suffering in the body, as being light. Uh, just the opposite. We would say they were, they were heavy. <laughs> the swatter, swatter, loss, but they had right. Um, it's very heavy. And Paul himself acknowledged them as being heavy. If you, if you remember back in uh, chapter 1, in verse 8, he says, I, I do not want you to be unaware, brothers, of the affliction we experienced in Asia, for we were so utterly burdened beyond our strength that we despaired of life itself. So Paul wasn't just um, delusional, or, or he wasn't just, uh, uh, you know, thinking positive thoughts here. He, he was well aware of how difficult life was, and he talked about that fact to these Corinthians earlier, as we saw. But as he compares the, the suffering that he's experiencing now to a future glory, he's saying it was light. There was in light of future glory, being with the Lord, he considered those burdens that he, that he, that he carried and those afflictions that he experienced as being light. It's like Christ when he, when he said in Matthew 11, where he, this uh, word is also used, he says, For my yoke is easy, and my burden is light. Now, you think about those disciples that followed Christ. We wouldn't say that um, that, that they just had an easy, easy go 
life, no problems, no difficulties. You know, they paid a price, didn't they, for following Christ, and many with their own life. And yet Christ would say the burden that he gives is light, it's easy, compared to the burden of the legalism of, of the Judaizers and, and the trying to, to earn righteousness through the law. And Paul said he gives uh, righteousness in himself, and his burden is light. And so he contrasts those two. Also, he will contrast the ideas of being momentary, uh, just for a moment, and eternal. He says, for the light momentary affliction. And then he contrasts that with an eternal weight of glory. Uh, it's interesting there, the, the, the setting. He's really obviously doing a play on, play on words here in these contrasts to emphasize the point. But we also use the word heavy like that, don't we? We say, you know, that's, that's heavy as, as in a uh, non-literal way. We talk about a, a thought or a, uh, some truth being heavy. Or we can say that was weighty, uh, um, that uh, truth is weighty. And so he, as Paul looks to the future of this, he's saying this glory is weighty. It's, it's got, it has great substance to it as in comparison to the suffering that he's experiencing, which is light and it's momentary. When you're experiencing it, you don't think it's light or momentary, do you? You, you feel like it's never going to stop. And for many, uh, many situations, many people struggle physically uh, for years, maybe, maybe in ways their whole life. And, but Paul had experienced that. His, his, really, his entire ministry for the Lord was one uh, difficulty after the other. One struggle after the other, one persecution after the other, one hardship after the other. And, and yet Paul, in comparison to the future glory and eternity, he says it was, it was like that. It's momentary. The same word is, 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 uh, conveys the idea of, of being fleeting, like, a, 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 like a, a, the light of a candle when it's snuffed out. It's, it's just there for a moment, and then it's gone. And so Paul would um, uh, think of his struggles in that way in comparison to eternity. And so this view of eternity, this focus, this attitude of faith, the spirit of faith, allowed Paul to, to not dwell upon the difficulty that he faced and to think about eternity. Notice also in verse 17, he says it's beyond all comparison. The word there is a word that we uh, get the word hyperbole from. And it speaks of this exceeding or being immeasurable. It's, it's great. It's the same word used, um, he used in verse 7 earlier when he talked about the surpassing power that belongs to God, not to us. It's, a, it's, it's, um, it's great. It's exceeding. It's extraordinary. And yet here he uses it twice at the end of uh, verse 17 when he talks about this glory. He says it's... Uh, and, and literally, according to an extraordinary degree, to an extraordinary degree, he, he, just, he doubles the word. It's extraordinary unto the extraordinary. And, uh, and so the translators usually uh, say something like beyond comparison. Or in Afrikaans, bewerkt voor ons alles ortreffende jewege gewig van heerlijkheid. 
And so he's, he's saying it, uh, he's doubling that word to, to just emphasize that it's greater than can be compared. Although he's setting the contrast here, one over against the other, but he's saying it, it's so great we, it can't even be compared with what the difficulty is now. And so that attitude, that's the attitude that Paul's talking about here. It's the attitude that, uh, yes, uh, what he's experiencing is difficult. It's, it's, uh, it's hard. It was beyond his strength, he said in chapter 1. But, but even there in chapter 1, as soon as he said it, the next, next verse says, Indeed, we felt that we had received the sentence of death, but that was to make us rely not on ourselves, but on God who raises the dead. So as you see often in the Psalms, as David writes, he will, he will complain sometimes about his circumstance and ask God, why aren't you doing something about the wicked? Or, or why aren't you hearing my prayer? And by the end of the Psalm, you see David uh, communicating his trust in God and his faith in God. And so it's, it's, it's the reality that, that we all experience in, in our lives many times, these feelings of uh, discouragement and despair and wondering you know, why God doesn't change the circumstances, why is God not answering, and yet the spirit of faith will acknowledge that difficulty and that reality and at the same time say, God, although I don't understand, I'll trust you, I believe you, and will put my focus not on this, but I'm going to focus on on, on what you have in store for me in eternity. And I will believe your promises. I will believe your word. That is the, the spirit of faith. And that's what Paul says in verse 18 as he comes back again and explains that it's not just automatic. In other words, the renewal uh, that he talked about in verse 16 and the, and the increasing glory that he talked about in verse 17, is not automatic. In other words, just because you suffer doesn't mean that it's going to produce abounding glory or, or increasing glory in the future. And just because your body is weak, it doesn't mean you'll automatically be renewed spiritually. It requires the spirit of faith. And that's what, he, that's what he's communicating in verse 18. As we look not to the things that are seen, but to things that are unseen. For the things that are seen are transient, but the things that are unseen are eternal. See, that's the, the exercise of faith. The things uh, that are unseen are the things that we must be focusing on, looking at. It's easy to look at the things that are seen. <laughs> we, we can look around us and see all the troubles, the problems. We can experience them in our own life. And it's easy to get so focused on those that we can't see anything else. Paul, Paul is saying we, we, we need to not f focus all of our thought and attention on those things and by the eye of faith look to the unseen, the things that are not evident. And notice again he sets these in contrast with each other. And he says the things that we see, the physical things, the problems, the suffering, the difficulty, the things that seem permanent, they're not really permanent. <laughs> They are temporary. And the things that we can't see, that don't seem real, <laughs> those are the eternal things. And so he, he, again, sets these two over against each other to make the point that we must exercise this spirit of faith because it is uh, only through this attitude of faith that we are, are able to endure. It is in the, it is in the um, 
exercise of faith that we are able to endure in ministry and to honor God by doing so. Let us pray together. Our Father, we thank you, Lord, for your grace in our lives. Thank you, Father, that you're with us and helping us and enabling us that we might have this same attitude of faith in you, trusting you for what you have promised and what you are have declared that you are going to do and that you are doing. And Father, as I pray as we look around us and we see the, the circumstances and many times we're, uh, we're led to be discouraged or we, uh, we feel like that uh, we uh, just have trouble on every side, I pray, Father, that we might look to you in faith, trusting you and finding the courage and the strength to remain faithful, to remain steadfast in following after you and serving you. And I pray that you might encourage our hearts today as we would seek to, to do just that. We pray in Christ's name. Amen. Mm -hmm.